This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and you have probably noticed, or maybe somebody you know has noticed, that when there are major life events and disruptive life events, um, sometimes those kick off a whole slew of financial and tax and otherwise decision-making that has to be done that more than likely somebody who's experienced it is not uh, really fully anticipating, but it has to be done anyways. And to help me to sort through those sorts of issues is Stacy Francis. Stacy, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you, Brent. I'm, a, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you could join. I'm happy to have this conversation with you. I think it's going to be a really good one for our listeners and for me too, personally, just to get another perspective on these things, because I always seem to learn something new talking to smart people. Wow. Me too. I you know. I, I think that we all we all learn from each other, and I'm excited. I, I know that you have a lot of financial advisors listening, CPAs, um, and this is an area that a lot of uh, people have questions about. You know, helping individuals through through times where there's a, a big inflection point. Um, yeah. I know we're going to be talking about divorce. We're going to be talking about widowhood and and all the implications that has. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for for a brief moment here, then I guess we'll pause that conversation though, because. Uh, for the very few people in the world who don't know who you are, uh, why don't why don't you give them your background a little bit? Because yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. Oh well, thank you. Um, so I uh, actually got into this field by uh, starting a beautiful charity called Savvy Lees, and I encourage all of you uh, listening to to reach out. Um, if you're a financial advisor, CPA, it's a great resource for you. If you want to give back, um, we're always looking for uh, volunteers. We have a helpline. It's the only free financial helpline in the country to work one-on-one with women who many of them dealing with significant financial. And so you can be in California, you can be in Florida. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, You can work via phone or uh, Zoom. And we just ask for two hours of volunteering a month. So you get to actually help and essentially do life-changing work and support for for two women. Um, So Savvy Ladies is a great resource. And also just on the flip side, if you have any clients that need support or many times the women who come to us um, don't have the money and the income and the assets to work with a professional and she needs it, you know, even more so than her her money counterparts. And so in addition to the helpline that she can use, uh, we have hundreds of TED Talk like videos um, of anything about finance and more. So it's a real great resource. Um, it is my love letter to my grandmother. She uh, was one of the most special people in my life. Um, but unfortunately, she was in a abusive marriage and um, she shared that she felt she really felt financially trapped and she never brought she never left. And it um, changed who I was and changed my whole trajectory of, of what I thought my life was going to be. So, um, you know, I, I think she'd be very proud. Um, we've worked with, you know, tens of thousands of women on a pro bono basis. Um, it's just a great resource. Um, and it, and it's a little bit of a long story, but, you know, after a year of having a beautiful charity, 
you realize very quickly that um, you can only do as much good work as the amount of money you have. That was a little <laughs> bit, that was true. an eye opener for me from the Midwest. I didn't grow up that way. Um, and so uh, my Michigander self said, you got to pull up your bootstraps. And so I launched my own fee-only financial advisory firm uh, 20 years ago. And knock on wood, it's all peachy keen now. Um, but boy, it was a journey. <laughs> it was a journey with a lot yeah. of work hours. Um, you know, it, it was just, I, I think the passion for what I do um, helped me get over those 70, 80, 90, 100 hour work weeks, particularly, you know, in so. Yeah, absolutely. Like any, um, any startup, it's, it's a lot of work and it turns out that the work has to be done by one person who looks you in the mirror every morning. Exactly. There's, there's no other option. Well, I think that's a, I think it's incredible. First of all, I think it's, it, the charity is really, really impressive. I'm, I'm very impressed by the financial advisors that I do run into who kind of take this issue into their own hands because you, you know, you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of chatter in that community about the lack of financial education and the need for financial education. And there's not always a a commensurate level of action mm -hmm. to address that that gap. And so when I run into it, I'm just so heartened that there are people out there willing to really put in the time and, and make a difference. Well, thank you. And, um, you know, I, I will pat myself on the back and I will take that, especially because yeah, I have you teenagers, should. teenagers and it, this doesn't happen very often. But um, you know, we have 150 volunteers. I mean, it's, it's as you know, it takes such a, a village and each of those volunteers has unique expertise and, um, you know, just really bring their, their whole selves. And so it's been wonderful, really wonderful. So yeah, so SavvyLadies.org and then um, my wealth management practice is FrancisFinancial.com. And so while the topic we talk about of, you know, women going through divorce and widowhood, um, you know, really is something we deal with through Savvy Ladies and Francis Financial. I'm going to be talking about it from um, the Francis Financial perspective of those clients that, um, you know, your listeners might be seeing coming to them and, you know, being able to help them, whether it's the tax planning, the asset division, just all the myriad of, of pieces that that we're faced with. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's so let's start there. Uh, you know, in the case of a divorce, what are some of the kind of, you know, top three or five issues that you see consistently? I kind of have a few of my own. Uh, we'll see yeah. if our, our I, I lists like match we can, up. We can probably add that list to like the top 10 issues. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, there are, there are some really important issues. Um, you know, the, the first is that uh, your, your clients really need to have a very good understanding of their spending. And I know we talk about it, um, you know, particularly for financial planning and, and modeling out investment portfolio withdrawals. But I have to tell you, particularly through divorce um, and then after losing a spouse, they have to get granular. And so there are a lot of great resources, personalcapitalmint.com. There's a few others that you can use that uh, will help do this in a more um, seamless, less time intensive way for your clients. But I will tell you, if you have a client that fills out that worksheet, and we have beautiful worksheets ourselves that we give clients, 
if the numbers come back primarily ending in a zero or a five, that's a big neon light um, headlight for you to know they have guesstimated and that these are not the true expenses that they're facing. During divorce, it's absolutely paramount that you, you would know that be, uh, because the settlement agreement, child support, uh, spousal support in some states we call it uh, we call it alimony. Um, you know all of these things. The the beginning crux of how these are decided. One of the most important factors is is what the actual expenses are for the kid. Expenses are for the the household. Um, so that is a must have. Um, you know no one likes to say the B word budgeting, but I have to tell you. Um, the B word is really your best friend if you want long term. Yeah, definitely, and I think it. In the case of divorce, you mentioned like settlement agreements and trying to come up with uh, what are the appropriate amounts. One of the other things that I see come up, it's not a it's not a divorce issue per se. It's a post-divorce issue, and that is where one spouse comes back. They've had a change in their income stream, yeah. whether that was intended or not, is usually the dispute. And that can then affect a change in the income stream coming to the other divorced spouse in terms of child support, in terms of alimony payments. So really that modeling, it has to be a range. It can't be, you know, yeah. it's like you want to come to an exact number, but you really need a range of, of scenarios and a range of ideas. Yeah, it's interesting. And this, this goes into some um, more technical planning, but what we've done... Um, so when we know there's a good chance that um, there could be a modification of, of particularly spousal support um, or child support, we will instead maybe waive spousal support and have child support. It still has to be paid because that is typically required by the courts, but we make it a smaller amount. And instead, we take a, um, a larger percentage of the assets. And so we essentially, we, we look as if, you know, what would it look like for spousal support and child support if, if they were to be paid out over this, this term of time? And then we do a present value and we use usually a 10-year treasury as our discount rate to figure out what is that present value today? And with that, we then will say, you know, and, and it's a lot easier now that spousal support and child support is not taxable, at least on the federal level. There's a few states where it's still state level. And then we say, you know what, as we'll just have a larger asset division. It, you know, that can cause some arguments, but for some, for some individuals, they don't want to be the person writing a check every month for the next God knows how long. And so it can really work out well because if there is a drop in income by the payor, of child support or spousal support, if there's been an asset division, that asset division cannot be going gone back and changed. Whereas income agreements can. So that's a, a kind of an interesting way to try and protect against that if you are concerned. Um, and then we do have a couple cases where we've actually have written in the settlement agreement where we will have different floors. And it's usually if we expect someone, the, the payer of child support or spousal support to go up, we expect their income to go up. Um, you know, we're here in New York and we do work on, we're working on divorce cases in 22 states, but um, we do find that if it's pharmaceutical, if it's tech, if it's finance, it can often have a really big upside that can happen. And so we often will see as if, you know, the Every year, there's a true up based on 
the um, tax returns and if support could possibly be increased from that. Um, I will tell you again, that has a challenge because every year you're bringing in a CPA to look at those tax returns, look at the true up, make sure that it, it really makes sense. Um, you know, but but that's one way that we've we've dealt with it. Yeah. Well, really two ways, right? Oh, yeah, the, two the ways. one way, yeah, the, the one way being the present value, not that they're mutually exclusive of each other, but you do sort of a lump sum based on a present value and the other having some sort of true up yeah. year over year where you have a very specific set of circumstances. I mean, maybe it just informs us in the audience for anybody who was thinking otherwise, I almost can't even believe that somebody would, but it's like every circumstance is very different. Yeah. And, you know, I assume when you're saying, doing the B word budgeting, um, that it's creating budgeting that's very narrowly tailored for that person and helping them to now have their own personally tailored budget, not something that they sort of is sort of a generic thing off the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's um, we, we used to do this work, um, Brent, but uh, we don't because it. I'll, I'll be honest, it's it's absolutely painful work. Um, but, <laughs> but if anyone out there wants to get into it, there's a huge market for it. And it's called lifestyle analysis. And in what lifestyle analysis, it's a fancy way of saying um, of going back and um, looking at all the spending for the household one year, two years. We've even done in some cases three years. Normally, you don't have to do that unless there's been a significant change in spending during that time or if there is um, disagreement about the income that is being stated. So we see this with cash businesses where um, they might have a million dollar lifestyle. But when we look at the tax return, the money coming in from the business is closer to like four hundred fifty thousand. Right. So you typically wouldn't have to go back three years, except if you have those types of circumstances. But a lifestyle analysis is kind of the like a plus right way to do it to make sure that you truly have captured all those expenses. Um, not only is it painful to do, even though it's the right thing. Um, the other thing, just to kind of warn all the professionals listening to you, um, your clients tend to hate you by the end. <laughs> um, and the reason is, is because it's can you imagine someone going through all of your visa statements, your bank yeah. account saying, what yeah. is this one? What is this Amazon charge? And then God forbid <clears throat> they find some expenses that tend that is the girlfriend mm -hmm. really not good. So just being warned that, um, you know, I feel like the people who do this work are really going to uh, go through the pearly gates straight to heaven. They will not have to stop. They will not have to pay any toll. They will go right up there because it's it is hard work. Um, it can be difficult with clients, but boy, is it valuable uh, for someone who particularly doesn't have a clue and is trying to just go through here and, you know, back of the envelope things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's walk forward then sort of in the chronology. You know, let's assume you get through all of those issues about how to divide things up, how to settle. And that's done. Now, going forward, how does the landscape change for you with your clients post divorce, post division? Yeah. So with the settlement agreement, um, there's a lot of work to be done. So we take that and we do an asset flow chart because for some uh, for some clients, it's very simple. You have an IRA, it's going to be split. 
Um, she receives half, he receives half. You don't really have to worry about cost basis or anything potentially. Um, but it can be much more complex if you're dealing with a taxable account. Um, making sure that truly the cost basis is also split appropriately along with the you know, un underlying um, assets. So overseeing that process is a huge value add for all of your listeners if they are willing to do that. Um, and also helping advise of how you split pension assets and using quadros, things like that. Um, also advising on how you split restricted stock units and stock options, which actually just as a, like a, a hint for everyone, you can't split them. They're an employee, an employee actual compensation. And so they have to stay in the name of the employee. Once they vest, then typically the settlement agreement will dictate how they are to be then split the proceeds and the taxes treated. Um, but all that type of information can be a, a real added benefit for helping your clients make sure that the integrity of the settlement agreement um, really is upheld as the assets are, are transferred. Um, and once you do that, um, the next step is to really make sure that you have that updated financial plan because things, whatever you modeled was going to happen in the settlement agreement, I can guarantee that's not what happened. <laughs> it was, it's different. <laughs> the and implementation so, is different than the agreement. Yeah. So, you know, that, that is number one. So update that financial plan. Um, yeah. And that's going to also help us know bridging that gap between now and age 95 for your client. What does the portfolio need to do? And then that's looking at the portfolio with fresh eyes because the way that she or he has been invested as a married couple um, most likely is going to be very different than the needs of that person moving forward. And I always tell our clients, again, we tend to work with women, you know, do you fit in your ex-husband's pair of pants? And thank goodness no one actually has said yes. Um, <laughs> I'm sure one of these days that that will be true, but one day, yeah, one day. But um, it's never happened, and it's you know just the same thing as well. Should you be invested in his portfolio? No, we need to customize it for your new goal, for what's important to you, your value, and that's really a really key and a, a huge value add that you can bring. And for the women that we work with in particular, they were usually not in the driver's seat of the finances. Um, and this is true women going through divorce. It's also true of the women that we work with whose husbands have passed away. Usually he was the one who was really in that driver's seat. And so there's a huge um, opportunity for education and to help her move into a much more empowered place of understanding and um, confidence because we often see her confidence around investing is also extremely low. Mm. Well, I'm sure that's also an opportunity for you to build trust. Yeah. And, you know, to to help with that confidence piece and then build trust that that's that spouse does not have to go from zero to 100 to be on the right path, but they can they can rely on good advice around them. Yeah. And, and I'll just share like for, you know, people building their business. Um, I feel like we have the best niche that we've and it's not really a niche, but working with women going through these unbelievably difficult, grief-stricken times. Um, yes, it can be very hard, but my word, the trust that you build and the relationship that you build, um, you know, our retention rate of clients staying with us is 98% um, for the long term. And, you know, that that trust, it, it really is built and it's cemented. Women in particular, um, 
once you're able to gain that trust, which I will admit often can take a little longer, um, it's it's rock solid and it's just such a great relationship and also really great about referring us mm. because they tend to be, if they've gone through a divorce, they tend to be around other people who are facing that. If she's lost her husband, she's most likely going to be joining widows groups and getting that support and just we attract those people often that are you know, facing some of the same circumstances we have. And for her, she knows that's what we can do and how we can help. So it's helped us also grow our practice really nicely um, with great referrals that are, you know, just perfectly of our ideal client. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and not too surprising, I think, when you when you help somebody through a difficult event with the right level of empathy and professionalism, they usually really appreciate it, especially if they perceive the outcome to be a good outcome. I guess yeah. you have to couch it that way because sometimes people, no matter how hard you try and how well you do for them, if their perception is inaccurate, you know, that that's all that matters. But yeah, that's yeah, not everybody. No, yeah. The good news, and I don't know if this is the good news, but for <laughs> accountants and financial advisors, usually it's the, those Feelings of frustration are directed towards the matrimonial attorney that yeah. might be in that situation. Um, we see that more often. Uh, we've done significant surveys of our clients and their um, opinion of their matrimonial attorneys often is not so favorable um, compared to other attorneys. So a much more favorable view of their estate planning attorney, for example. Mm-hmm. But you can see it's a very different situation. Um, where you have an estate planning attorney who's coming in, who's really helping doing the heavy lifting with the probate, helping her through the whole legal process, you know, really being that, you know, that that person who's protecting and advising and educating, whereas a matrimonial attorney is doing that, too. But usually the best settlements are those where neither side is completely happy, right? Because compromise, unfortunately, has to happen. So we do see a difference. Usually it doesn't fall to us. um, But I will say back to that lifestyle analysis, um, you know, part of the reason why we stopped in addition to being very difficult to do, um, clients were not happy with us. It didn't matter how good a job we did. If we categorized Amazon incorrectly, even though Amazon could be groceries, it could be child expenses, it could be, you know, bless, it could be furniture. You know, um, Mm -hmm. we found that people were not staying on with us to work with us long-term and they were not sending us with clients. So it took us a few years of figuring that out, but finally we did. So I'm sharing that with everybody who's listening. (laughs) You're not taking those clients. The niche still exists. Somebody, somebody can step into that void. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I totally get that. That and, and especially that the dynamic of sort of the lawyer that's helping you through the legal dispute. Yeah, they're they're asking you to give something up usually in order to get something settled, and that oftentimes yeah. there's a little tension there. Um, okay, well let's so okay so let's move forward chronologically changing the facts slightly. Let's assume there's no divorce. That's not the issue. The issue is that a spouse has now passed away, which can be extremely disruptive, not only to the surviving spouse, but the entire family. But yeah. you know, if the key yeah. figurehead of the family dies, it's, it can be very disrupting. It is. And I think also it's extremely important to know that um, half of uh, women who are widowed are actually below age 55. Wow. So I think that's really important just to throw out there because we have a 
many times in our mind of who she is. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not necessarily the case. And um, the, it really goes back to the similar things of understanding what your expenses are, what the reduced income is, because, you know, over 90% of women, um, you know, widows, their, their income goes down, right? So what that new income looks like, what the overall holistic picture of the assets are, and what the assets are now, um, taking into consideration insurance that might be either group insurance through the employer, private life insurance through um, outside, and, you know, other benefits that might might be able to be payable to you. So getting that real comprehensive view and then, you know, having you as a financial advisor um, be able to model out and show, okay, based on this, what does your life look like? Helping you if you're an older widow, you know, should you take a, uh, a different benefit for social security? If you're a younger widow and you have dependents at home, the survivor's benefit and what that looks like for you, what that looks like for your, your children. And so making sure that all the benefits that you are entitled to have and also that financial picture going forward. Um, in those, those financial pictures, sometimes we see that there is a big gap and it's not a gap that their investment portfolio could re reasonably fill. And so we need to look at, do we need to downsize from the house? Do we need to unfortunately go back to work and look at all of these things so that they have a roadmap of understanding in a in a more concrete way what their new life needs, their new life needs to look at, look like. Yeah. Um, and it can be I mean, the biggest words that we hear from particularly widows is just one of complete overwhelm, mm. even if it was a longer term illness, just overwhelm. There is so much to do from transferring assets, changing titles, reaching out to alma maters, magazine subscriptions. It can be just beyond phenomenally overwhelming. And so making sure that your clients don't do that on their own, that they get a team around them and that they they have little you know, little goals along the way that they don't try to tackle everything at once. And I have a great resource guide uh, for widows that I'll make available to, to everyone. And there's fantastic checklists that you can give to your clients or that you can use with timeframes to, to break it down so that it's not just a morass of financial onslaught of all the things I have to do. And now I'm dealing also with the loss of my, my dearest you know, my dear spouse, who I love more than anything. Um, so it really helps you put that out, support them and navigate through what we call widow's fog, which is just a difficult time. Our tension is not as crisp and clear and sharp as maybe it normally is. Um, and being able to help break that up for that person. Yeah, I really love that. And I think that's such a smart idea to give people a reasonable time horizon with things that they can actually do and not to have to focus on the whole picture because it can be very overwhelming. And frankly, you know, you're not looking at not only is it not something that you can do in a day because of the amount of things that need to be done, it's not something you can do in a day because of the timeline of the way things have to be done. It's just it may be a multi-year process and for somebody to be grieving and then to sort of absorb the fact that they've got this enormous list of things to do. Yeah, it can be completely overwhelming. And, and you, you know, I'm sure you know as well as I do with 
with some of my clients as they're as they're going through the grieving process, um, which of course is completely normal. There's nothing wrong with them. It can just be difficult, like you're saying, this fog, this like it's almost like uh, uh, the ability to focus on tasks is yeah. disrupted. And so to have an enormous list of things that have to be done, I mean, it's almost impossible for somebody that's in that state of yeah. mind to tackle that unless you could break it down into very small, discrete component parts. So, yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah, Brent, you totally you know, nailed it. And I would say also, I do see that it's not necessarily a widow's frog, but um, similar for women who are going through divorce because mm. there is a grief. Even mm-hmm. if she was the one who initiated, it's a grief of you know what she thought her future would be, the changing family structure that she has, a grief that you know he did you know he didn't turn out to be the person that he she thought or or she depending on you know who she's married to, um, there it, it may be grief of you know her role in this whole mm-hmm. situation. So just understanding that both of these populations are really dealing with severe grief and often are not at their best. So just having that really deep well of patience as an advisor is really important. And again, I'm 100%, it's not always the easiest thing. And the best thing you can do to keep that really deep well is is also to take care of yourself. Really important. Yep. Well, Stacey, I'm Glad we had this conversation. These are kind of uh, depressing topics when you sort of isolate them, but, <laughs> but that's no, it's not your fault or mine. Um, that's just the nature of them. But there's so much value in that for the advisor trying to help people navigate these very disruptive, very difficult uh, yeah. life events. I, I I think you've you've shared a lot of really good wisdom. So thank you yeah. so much for that. Yeah, and I would just say to your audience too, like I'm. I'm probably one of the most happy people you'll meet. I mean, possibly even a little annoyingly happy. Um, And part of it is, is, uh, and it's just, you, you put things in different contexts, like you, you bring them Mm -hmm. into your bubble, you let them out. And um, so again, I I do want to share, it's such a great place, a great group of people to work with that um, the, the difficulty of the situation doesn't necessarily have to bleed onto how you are moving through your everyday workday either. Um, you yeah. know, if anything, I I love this work so much because I feel like you are, quite frankly, a superhero. You, you know, you feel like you're really making a difference and um, especially at the end, so appreciative, so appreciative. So, so thank yeah. you for talking about this, even though it's not the easiest topic. <laughs> well, my pleasure. Uh, Stacy, if if people are trying to find you, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, so you can email me, Stacy S T A C Y at francisfinancial.com. Um, and also the website, you're welcome to check check it out. Um, especially any professionals that are interested in launching into this field, how we describe our services. Uh, I feel like we do a pretty good job on our website, and that's www.francisfinancial.com. Um, and then also savvy ladies. Um, Feel free to to forward that on to any women who really need that financial support uh, one-on-one through being able to have it offered pro bono. And that's www.savvyladies.org. And I always say Savvy has two Vs because it's very, very good. So don't forget that there's two Vs at savvyladies.org. Very, very savvy. Extra savvy. Very, very, very savvy. Well, I love that. Thank you so much again, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thank you. 
Hey listeners, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.